The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'd like to, uh, we'd like to hear back from you um, some of the obstacles that came up for you, if you could think of any, right? Um, so, uh, so, and please pa- uh, use the mics when you speak. So Becky, over here. Behind you. I'm not. Maybe the battery is dead. The light is on, though. No, if it's green, it's working. Yeah. Is this okay? This one's working for now. Okay. Um, so I'm going to see if I can express this eloquently. Um, but I may fail, which is something that has come up a couple times today that I thought was really interesting, which is one of the things that I think keeps people, including me, from being generous is fear, um, and it's the fear of what kind of person will I be if I don't give, so it makes giving feel like a duty, And so in that respect, whatever generosity is present is not really being experienced as generosity and it's not really influencing the heart as generosity because it's being done out of this sense of fear. But like the root of wanting to do it is this wanting to help, wanting like this caring, but somehow along the way because there's this fear like what kind of person will I be if I don't do this or if I ever say no or if I ever set a boundary, I have to do this. This It's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, it stops being like a generous state of the heart and mind and it starts being sort of fearful and kind of self-flagellating. And that was really interesting for me because, you know, a couple times today I've talked to people that I thought did really amazing things and they were worried about, like, what if I don't do enough? And I think if with the, when the fear is there, it's hard to be nourished by one's own generosity and experience it as generosity. And that makes it even harder to either go forward in the future and do more or to experience what one is doing as generosity rather than as just duty that I have to do or I'll be like a bad person if I don't do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's right where, where your edge is. That's right where your edge is. That's, that's right where your work is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, feeling that, allowing yourself to feel that emotional discomfort that arises when you want to be generous instead of trying to push away that discomfort is really turned towards it, just like you would in practice, in, in a formal practice. Um, so, someone else over here? Nancy. Um, so, I think what uh, I was able to sort of hone down in our little group... Like, you know, it's on. Hello? No? No. Is it green? Okay. Yeah. Am I on? Yeah. Um, so I think what 
what I was able to sort of hone down is that um, um, I experienced the pureness of heart a lot, the impetus. And, um, and then I start. And then um, what that next step is, the intimacy of acknowledging I don't want to do this now, or no, this is enough, or um, maybe tomorrow, but not today. And that makes me uncomfortable because I feel like the expectation is that, oh, you know, she'll just do this forever. She'll just, you know. And there's that tension there of really acknowledging my limits and having to own them. Yeah, great, thank you. Someone else? Um, something that several of us in our group felt was the first obstacle, I think, that you talked about, which was the idea of giving an inch and uh, take a mile and how there is that fear there that if I give something now, and even if I feel like giving it again tomorrow, then it will become an expectation that I continue doing this. And it seemed like the, the only way out of that is to learn that graceful way, confident way to say no, um, and how wonderful it would be to have that skill because it would allow some, so much more giving I, I notice in myself sometimes I don't give because I'm afraid of setting up that chain of expectation and I, I'm guarded with an initial offering around that and I, I'd like to develop or work on that skill. Great, thank you. Yes. I think one of the obstacles I've had in being generous is the obstacle of this person or this thing that, I'm, that I have an initial impulse to be generous to might not deserve the generosity or perhaps someone else deserves it more. And then I can get caught up in what is the most efficient use of my generous tendencies. Uh, let's do a cost-benefit analysis. Do, <laughs> do, the kid, do the kids in Haiti need it more than the children down the street? Then, this homeless guy that's right in front of me, um, that all of uh, these are the things that uh, occurs to me. And perhaps there's some insight you can lead, uh, you can tell us about in terms of about the notion of dessert, or how to be generous if you don't necessarily believe dessert is there. Or um, you know, there's a certain wisdom we need to apply when we give. Um, so, you know, for instance, you know, um, you know, I get requests from, you know, so many organ worthy organizations and from some not, not worthy ones. <laughs> um, and so I have to dis discern, you know, where, you know, where do I want to give? It's not necessarily what's the right place to give. So we still have to make those choices, you know. So, so to me, I shift the question not so much as to whether um, I don't know if someone's des deserving or not. It's not my my call to make, uh, but I'll try to do it as wisely as I can. And um, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, in terms of you know, if I know somebody's, you know, like we mentioned before, somebody's going to take uh, the money and buy drugs with it, uh, I might give them a sandwich anyways. But I, might not, I wouldn't give them money. 
You know, so, so it's using our wisdom at those times. Uh, and also seeing your own tendency <laughs> uh, to overthink it, to overthink that, that impulse, you know, and to trust your heart more than your mind in that, in that situation. I was just wondering, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen if you gave and your giving energy was not optimally used? It was like 90% instead of 100. <laughs> like, like, what's at risk? Um, I could, my badge from IMC about being the best Buddhist ever was at risk primarily. <laughs> no, uh, you're exactly right. There's nothing at risk. 90% effective. Right. Um, so let's let's hold that for a minute. We're going to open up to more questions in a minute. So let's let's go ahead and finish out. That's a good question. So my question kind of goes with how I'm trying to also work with it is which we didn't really talk about are the three types of generosity. Mm-hmm that I've kind of learned about through Buddhist practice to help me look at what those obstacles are. And recognize we didn't talk about it in our group, but for me, doing that really helps me see me. It turns it back in to me to actually see what's going on when I utilize those three and see what they are. What are, the, what are those? Three? <laughs> um, the first one is, I guess, to see if you're giving and it feels like it's required of you, you're feeling guilty about it, it's the obstacle, it's like it's demanded of you, and I really don't want to do this, but I should do it, and all that would kind of be the first one. The second one is giving where it's, okay, what am I, I want to give, but you know, what am I going to get back from it? And merit could be one of those things. I'm going to give because I'm going to get merit back. So and the third one is, are you just giving and you're letting it go. It's just giving because it's just coming. It's something you just want to do, and you're not looking for anything to come back. I feel like if kingly I got those giving. correctly. Yeah, kingly giving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a huge example of that happen for me. And it was just, it was really great to see when it moves to the point of just kingly giving, and what you get back is liberation and freedom. Mm-hmm. Is just, that's what the return is. Great, thank you. Behind you. I think it's sort of similar to what this woman over here was saying, is um, fear that I won't be okay, which covers all kinds of things. Um, Fear that I won't have enough. Fear that I won't feel good about myself. Fear that I won't feel good about you. Um, Fear that it'll come back to haunt me somehow. Um, Fear that I'll be overwhelmed by requests for more stuff. Um, I mean, the thread through it all is fear. Um, and that sort of goes to, there are healthy things to be afraid of. I don't ride my motorcycle in the area where a semi-truck can't see me. I'm afraid of that. This is a good thing. Um, but if I'm afraid that I won't have enough when all the evidence is that I will have enough, if I have a point of view of scarcity, um, in the midst of all of my abundance, and I'd have a very abundant life, um, 
those are things that constrict my heart and make me unable to see the need or the opportunity um, just to be generous. Um, and you know, sort of looking through that lens, I come back to something that Gil said to me a few years ago, which was, um, if you're contemplating something and it opens your heart, go down that road. If you're contemplating something and it makes you contract, don't go down that road. <laughs> so it's a lot of paying attention to, um, is this fear happening in my head? Is it happening in my heart? Is it just a thought? Is it real? Usually it's not. <laughs> Usually, nine times out of 10, it's not. But it stops me sometimes. Thank you. I have a question mainly, and this is in response to my group. Many of us in the group struggled with setting boundaries in giving. I think um, those of us in the group, we all want to give. It's, it's um, how much. So, um, so it's, it's, we want to say no gracefully and confidently. So I just, my question is, are you or Gil or both of you going to address that and give us strategies on how to say no gracefully and <laughs> confidently? Because I want to know. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd like to say is that um, you don't have to get it right to say no gracefully. You can just start by saying no, um, and, and maybe you misjudge it. That's okay. Uh, so that's how you learn how to say no. Uh, it's, it's really it's something you develop, you know, as you tell the truth about... It, it's really about telling the truth. Uh, if somebody's asking you to do something and you really don't feel you want to do it, it's your capacity to do it right now, um, and you, f you know that for yourself, that that's, that's the truth that you're speaking. No, I'm sorry, no, I, w I, I wish I, uh, I, I, would, you know, I would do this for you, but I can't. I can't do it, I don't, you know, that's the truth right now for me. And, and that might not be the truth tomorrow. So it's okay if today you said yes, and then tomorrow it's no. That's okay too, you know. So we learn, we learn by, by, always, by, by always moving towards honesty. Yes. It's okay with you. Mike, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's okay with you, um, but it's not always okay with the other person who's, you know, because you're just saying how it's okay, but yeah. it isn't always okay when you say no, you, you hurt the person's feelings. Yeah. So then the next question is, is it okay to hurt the person's feelings. Is that part okay when uh, you say no? You know, we, we can care for other people, but we're not responsible for how they feel. So um, we can be, still be compassionate when we say no. And, uh, you know, we can uh, have a lot of care for how we do it. Uh, and I think when we really are in the habit of telling the truth, then when we tell them, we can do so without resenting, resentment. Otherwise, we resent the fact we have to tell them no. <laughs> uh, so, so if we can tell them no with, with compassion for, for them, uh, then you know, they might still be hurt. But that's the way it is. That's how, that's how it has to happen. Thank you. And one more over here. 
I um, discovered an obstacle to um, accepting generosity. Mm-hmm. And that would be that I then immediately feel I have to pay this person back. That, that I have to pay the person back when they do something nice to me. I'm obligated then to do something nice for them. Yes, yeah, so that's part of learning to receive, learning to receive generosity. And so the question is, uh, you know, how, does it, how do you actually feel when you receive it? Yeah so, yeah, yeah, so really hanging on how it actually feels to be given to. So um, we have, you know, maybe uh, one more question either about the obstacles or about anything, anything else about the day. Um, yeah. And this is very silly, but... Um, I saw this, uh, a dad, a child is asking the dad for something, and instead of saying, no, you can't have that, he said, no, I'm sorry. You know, he didn't say, I'm sorry. He's like, no, you can't have that. And there was something about it, and he said it very sincerely. I don't know, maybe I'm not doing it right, but, but it was like, the child didn't feel bad, you know, and I, I was just amazing because he, he sort of said no with a smile. And I don't know, there's some way of doing that that's very graceful and generous. Um, but yeah, I think we need lessons on that. So, <laughs> be practice. There, there isn't a right way to be to 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 say no graciously. There's an honest way, and the more we practice, the more graceful it becomes. The more we, we do it with not feeling guilty, the more we, we feel okay about doing it, then it it's naturally becomes more graceful. Last, last comment here. Yeah. I, I don't recall right off the top, Gil uh, or, or Ines, but that whole notion of right speech might tie into this, this, this concern because people are talking about how to address this issue. And, you know, <clears throat> the element of is it timely? Is it truthful? Is it beneficial? And the last one's probably really important. I can't think of it right now. What? It's a kind. Kind, correct. So if we keep those four elements in view, you know, can we do that? That's the issue. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's great. So I think we're going to let Gil finish the afternoon. So, um, <clears throat> a couple of reflections in this topic of no. Um, I mean, to hear, hear it being discussed that way, it was so black and white, yes or no, no, it's so definitive. And sometimes it's wise not, not, to, not to see it through that lens of yes or no, black and white. Um, so one, for example, is, um, you know, it's me, me versus you. Yes and no, it's kind of like the idea. So I'm going to say no because I need to do that and you have to deal with it and whatever. But uh, it's also, uh, things can be done cooperatively. And uh, a great lesson I got was from one of my Zen teachers who's um, had a very busy schedule. A lot of people wanted to meet with him. And, <clears throat> and, um, and so when someone asked to meet with him, he had a practice of uh, bringing out his date book. But he wouldn't be like this, looking over the date book at you. He would come up next to you like this and say, let's look at it together. And then you looked with, with him through his different days, and it was obvious that he couldn't see you for a month. 
And it felt like, oh, okay, now we understand. We're, doing, we're, we're exploring this together. So for you to say, you know, this is a challenge for me, and this is the consequence, this is how I feel in this situation, uh, I'm stretched. Uh, uh, wh- you know, what do you think would be a wise response on my part? And they say, oh, of course you should say no. <laughs> so they're part of the decision as opposed to you make, you know, you know, claiming on people. And then sometimes, it's, occasionally it's wise not to use the word no at all. In Japan, it's very rare to use the word no. They have a word no in Japanese language. But um, uh, much more common is people will say chigao, which means it's different. And uh, it kind of softens it. It's different. It's not like it's yes or no or good or bad. It's like, oh, it's, it's different. And, um, and sometimes you might think about um, you know, different ways of saying it that appropriately uh, helps the person not feel like it's me versus you or it's definitive in this way. Um, there are situations in life where we have a responsibility to act, to respond, to give in a conventional way, to do something for someone. And I think responsibilities, you know, if we have a real responsibility, commitment, it should be followed through on best we can. And I think responsibilities are a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a generous thing to take responsibility. It's a beautiful thing to act on it. But it has a different uh, psychological dynamic, to the responsibility than generosity. And I think that... Uh, um, in my, in my belief, and I think this is, comes from my understanding of Buddhism, uh, we have no obligation to be generous. Isn't that nice? Now, you might, you might feel there's an obligation. You know, you need to be a good Buddhist, you need to be a good child and a good parent, you need to be a good citizen. You're supposed to be generous, you know, to be, you know, if you're not generous, then you're probably, a, you know, some undesirable kind of person. And so you want to be, you know, you're supposed to kind of show yourself as being a good person. And all that is a bunch of, just a headache, trying to be a good person in the eyes of others and, you know, to social requirements, Buddhist requirements, this and that. And I think it's helpful to think there's no requirement to be generous. And we're generous because we want to be generous. We're generous because it's either because it's something we want to do, in and of itself, or we're generous because we've learned, or we think that in attempting to be generous, we learn, we practice. It's a, it stirs us up in a way, it helps us look at something and free ourselves from something. So I, you, you might really think about this, you know, the, there's, lack, there's, there's no obligation uh, to be generous. And, uh, and with that little statement, look at where your voices inside of you are about, that come from a sense of obligation. Oh, I have to, to be this way. I'm supposed to be this way. Uh, society demands it of us that we're supposed to be generous. And it's a whole different thing to come from generosity than it comes from a moral requirement that we're supposed to be a certain way. Um, and sometimes, though, it gets complicated, right? Because we have responsibility on one hand and we have just kind of non-obligatory generosity on the other. But they're not always so separate, those two realms. And so there's overlap between them, so it gets a little bit trickier. And so we have to follow our, find our way in it. But one of the guidelines that the, the Buddha gave for when to be generous is we, uh, where to be generous, who to give generous, genero- be generous towards, is he said, uh, be generous to um, what brings you joy or what inspires your heart. So the question, you know, you know this the equation, cost-benefit analysis between, you know, the kids down the street and kids in Haiti, 
which one would be better deserving or better use of the money. That certainly has some validity to do that kind of valuation. But you also, it's very important to evaluate what moves you, you know, what, what inspires you. And it might have bigger, uh, a bigger benefit in the world for you to act from your inspiration, your love, your joy, than to act out of some kind of, you know, mechanic, kind of arithmetic or some sense of obligation or requirement. Um, and it might be that, uh, um, you know, that um, the world, the people around you are much more inspired by how you give than what you give. And so if you give from that beauty, beauty in your heart, it might have a much better effect. Certainly has a better effect karmically, which means that karmically means that it has a better effect in, the own, in, the, in, the, in that uh, inner world, psychological world of your own spiritual life. That how you are is what affects your karma, much more than what you do. So to be a custodian, the caregiver of how you are, and to, you know, what is contracted, what is open, what, is, what is, uh, comes from a form of kind of uh, enslavement, some kind of you know, bondage caught in ideas and ideas of self and fear, and what comes from freedom from bondage, from some openness and open-heartedness and expansion. Um, I believe that um, it's hard to be a human being. I think it's a hard life for everyone even though some people have it easier than others. And, um, and uh, because of the challenges of, of life, um, people operate a lot from fear. Um, most people are looking how to find out how to be safe, how to be happy, how to cope with this life the best they can. And, um, and so a lot, of the, a lot of things arise out of those, that motivation to be safe and happy in this difficult life. And a lot of the ways in which people cling and hold on to and get reified into senses of self um, come, I think, out of it, uh, an attempt to try to cope the best they can with life to create what you know, is reasonable to try to create, safety and happiness, to cope better. But uh, Dharma practice is to go back and look at the roots of what motivates us, to go back and question the fear, the fears, the, the, the sense of insecurity, the sense of uh, what creates happiness, and see if we can get back, really back to the roots of it, back to the heart of it, the matter. Um, are there, is there another way than the way that we've learned or acquired or assumed through a lifetime that involves building up a sense of self or creating walls around us or sense of separation or, or um, acquiring all kinds of things, physical and mental or whatever. Um, is there another way? And I think that's what Buddhism is trying to point to, is that, is that there is another way, and that we can go back to the root of our psychological needs and address them in very different ways than how it's commonly addressed in this life. And that, uh, and that we can address it with uh, the possibility of release, of liberation. Uh, we can address it with our compassion, and one of the great avenues and explorations, the kind of, or the lubricant, or the explorer, or the door into and out of this deep entry into our hearts is through generosity. I think generosity is a beautiful thing. And um, my hope for each of you is that uh, you somehow connect generosity to something that's beautiful inside of you. And you can't do that if it's obligatory. And, it's, and also you can't do it very well if you're comparing yourself to others. 
Um, some people are very generous, just who they are, just bubbling over, they just kind of do, do, do. And some people, that's not their nature, to be generous in that same obvious kind of way. And um, again, there's no obligation. Um, I don't want everyone to be equally generous, bubbling over, you know, just... I want people to be themselves and be free in that way. And so if your way to be in the world is to be, you know, one-tenth as generous as your neighbor, maybe that's perfect for you and inappropriate for your neighbor, the way they are. Who knows what's going on? And uh, so to really, so the mindfulness is so helpful and important to be able to turn back and really understand what drives you, what serves you, what feeds you, what, what you're, what, what's really going on in here, and what's right for who you are. So you find, you find the right expression. So if someone next to you um, makes a huge donation to someone or does a really good act of generosity, you can look at that and not compare it to yourself and say, well, that was great, I really appreciate that, without feeling, oh no, now I have to do it too. I'm supposed to be that way too. We can be inspired by that, but you know, to be free from kind of uh, losing track of who we are as individuals and find our, find our own way in this life uh, and let whatever our na- innate or natural capacity of generosity be our own, not be what we think it's, not be what it, we think it's supposed to be or required to be. Um, so one of the things I'd like to encourage you to do in this uh, month is to make this month the generosity month. Well, not that you have to be generous a lot, but that you reflect on generosity, you think about generosity, you talk about generosity with other people, read about generosity, you know, anywhere you can find, you know, just, uh, you know, do a web search on generosity and see what comes up. Just do anything you can do, kind of just kind of make it richer world. But, and one of the things that's really valuable to do is to uh, start noticing generosity in others around you, not necessarily towards you, but just start, and not just notice, but see if you can start to have a greater appreciation for the acts of generosity that you see around you in the world. You know, some people are people watchers. So my recommendation is this month you be a people watcher. But what you watch for is their acts of generosity. Notice how it works. And notice in small, you know, what, how how these things happen in daily life and and see if you can uh, find a way of appreciating uh, what you see. There is a set of uh, reflections and uh, exercises or practices to do for the month if you'd like to do it. And uh, also a set of quotes here, two, two handouts. And as I said in the beginning of the day, maybe some of you weren't here, um, it said this year, you can come, you know, just one of these or any way, any way you want, you can drop into these, these day-longs on Fridays. But also you can tie them all together and have a whole year-long program that's been designed that allows you to go to some depth with these and that includes a monthly uh, discussion group with Inez that she'll do on Sunday afternoons. And also, uh, if you'd like to have an interview with Inez, kind of a mentorship interview that can mentor you and your exploration of uh, each, of, each of these uh, perfections, uh, she's available for that. And on the bottom of the exercise, or the reflections and practice sheet, there's a, uh, a URL, a, a, email, a, a web address of, an, of the uh, IMC's website where there's a page devoted to this program, the, the Perfections Program. And that page will have all, all kinds of information, the handouts, the readings, uh, uh, other readings that we recommend, and um, 
uh, information about the discussion group, information about the interviews. So there's a lot there if you're interested in the overall program for this. The next class is October 15th. And, um, and the last thing I want to say is that uh, this morning, kind of in preparing, <coughs> preparing for um, uh, today's discussion of generosity, I read the chapter on generosity in this new book. Uh, Mirka Nestor has used to come to these Dharma practice days. In fact, she came to them when we did the Paramis last time, and, um, and uh, six years ago. And she took the Paramis, these ten qualities, and has been studying more of them. And she used, and she used them to uh, write a biography of um, Manindra, who was the te- main teacher for Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg, and really important kind of uh, um, teacher for our tradition, Indian man, a beautiful man. And, um, and so she wrote this biography that, uh, that um, I think partly because his life didn't have a lot of story content. I mean, you can tell a story pretty quickly. It wasn't like he had this, you know, it wasn't like he had this fascinating, exciting, dramatic life that, you know, you just can't, quit, can't put down the book. He had a very peaceful, quiet, kind of boring life. But he was really a, a realized, deeply uh, mature Buddhist practitioner, and wonderful teacher. And he had all these beautiful qualities and ways of acting in the world. And so, since she couldn't tell a beautiful, dramatic story, she, told this be- she writes this beautiful book describing um, uh, his, these qualities and how he acted them out in the world. And I read the chapter on, on generosity this morning. And I, was, I was so inspired reading it. So if you want to read about the Paramis, and if it, through, the, through the lens of how one, per, one person lived them. Uh, this is a book uh, called uh, Living This Life Fully, Stories and Teachings of Manindra. And it's October 6th. Oh, yeah, she, and she's coming here. She's on Tuesday, uh, October 6th. Uh, Mirka's going to come here and do a kind of a talk and book reading from her new book. So it's kind of a special. Mirka Nastor, spelled with a K. And I'm, I'm sure Inez will put it on that uh, page. It's in a recommended books page to it on the website. So, um, may this day of practicing and reflecting on generosity be of benefit for you. And may you take and consider that benefit and, and in your heart turn it around and consider how, what ways you've benefited today might be, uh, might be some way that you could bring that benefit around to support and help others, bring a benefit to others. How can you do this wonderful uh, transformation of receiving benefits and turning it back to benefit this world? So as an act of generosity, of compassion, of liberation, the world needs more happiness and freedom. And may it be that in some way our exploration of these topics today um, help the whole world to be happy and help more people become free. May all beings be happy. So thank you very much. And if, uh, if maybe uh, six, seven people can stay behind and uh, do some of the tidying up we usually do, it would be greatly appreciated.